Welcome to Halley HealthCast, the monthly wellness podcast from Halley Health, your source for health and wellness resources, information, and tips. Our topic this month is sleep health. We will be busting some common myths about sleep and its connection to your overall health. May is Better Sleep Month. I'm Aileen Ellis, and here with us today is Dr. Charles R. Davies. Dr. Davies is an expert in sleep medicine and the cognitive effects of sleep disorders. He's a doctor at Carl Foundation Hospital in Urbana. So welcome, Dr. Davies. It's so nice to have you here with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Aileen. So let's jump right in. We'll explore five of the most common myths about sleep and health, beginning with snoring. Myth number one, snoring is annoying, but it isn't harmful or a sign of anything problematic. Dr. Davies, please explain how snoring itself may be harmless, but that it can also be a sign of sleep apnea. Well, that's right, Aileen. Uh, Yes, in some cases, if it's just snoring alone, it may not be anything to worry about. But if, for example, you're snoring and your bed partner is telling you that they notice that you're pausing or having stoppages of breathing during sleep, or you yourself are waking up gasping and choking short of breath, or you're feeling tired during the day, then the snoring could be a sign of obstructive sleep apnea, which is a a very serious condition which should be addressed. And how is that addressed? What's the best thing to do for the first step? Well, the best thing to do would be to, number one, let your primary care provider know of what's going on, know that you're having some of these symptoms, and then your primary care provider should refer you to a sleep specialist where you will meet and talk in more detail. The sleep specialist can perform a physical exam, and then, if appropriate, go ahead and order a sleep study to evaluate for obstructive sleep apnea. If that's positive, then uh, certainly uh, you would uh, go on to have that treated. And that's a high priority. Sleep apnea is not something you just kind of ignore, correct? That's correct. Um, We know that sleep apnea, obstructive sleep apnea, is associated with high blood pressure, heart attacks, and strokes. In fact, uh, one study indicated three times as many fatal heart attacks and strokes for persons with untreated obstructive sleep apnea. So let's go on to myth number two. Missing sleep might make me tired the next day, but there are no long-term consequences. So, Dr. Davies, how is not getting enough sleep linked to long-term health problems such as obesity, diabetes, hypertension, and depression? It turns out, Aileen, that for one thing, people do need at least seven to nine hours of sleep each night. And if you're not getting that much sleep, it can throw off the balance of the hormones that control hunger. And so by not getting enough sleep uh, each night, at least seven hours, then the hormones are imbalanced, causing you to be more hungry. And that, of course, can lead to uh, increased caloric intake, which then increases the chance for obesity um, and also certainly can increase the chance for diabetes. uh, And by having increase in weight and obesity, that in and of itself puts you at higher risk for having obstructive sleep apnea, which then, as I just mentioned, is associated with things like hypertension, heart attack, strokes, and even depression. So myth number three, as I get older, I don't need as much sleep. So is it true that most adults still need seven to nine hours of sleep every night, regardless of their age? That's absolutely correct. I think the reason that this myth has uh, developed is really uh, the the mistake of kind of uh, associating 
common experience in older age with what must be the norm, and I'll explain that. So unfortunately, as we get older, we you know tend to uh, pick up certain aches and pains, uh, other conditions that can disrupt our sleep. And so it is true that people, when, as they get older, they may not be able to stay asleep as well as they had when they were younger, but it does not mean that they don't need as much sleep. So unfortunately, in the case of somebody, for example, with chronic pain, they may not be able to get as much sleep because of the chronic pain, but that doesn't mean they don't need uh, at least seven hours of sleep each night. The recommendation would be to address the chronic pain with your doctor and uh, work together to try and uh, minimize the, the pain issues so that you can get at least seven hours of sleep each night. So myth number four, it doesn't matter what time of day I sleep, I can shift my sleep schedule. So I can sleep during the day, I can sleep at night, whatever, as long as I get my recommended hours. What happens when you shift your sleep schedule and what are the basics of circadian rhythm desynchronization? When you shift your sleep schedule, that can throw off uh, your ability to sleep. Uh, in other words, your uh, circadian, natural circadian rhythm may uh, become confused, uh, to use a, uh, a non-scientific term, and you then have the risk of losing the ability to fall asleep when you want to. So, for example, if you're going to bed at 10 p.m. some nights and 3 a.m. other nights, uh, you may then find that it's more difficult to fall asleep uh, when you want to if you go to bed at 10 p.m. because your circadian rhythm may have shifted. Another danger is that when your circadian rhythm is shifting, it's actually reducing a very important hormone that's made in our brains called melatonin, which helps promote good quality sleep. So with a constant shifting of sleep schedule, that can then lead to a decrease in the overall amount of melatonin that your brain is secreting, and that will lead to decreased sleep quality and then decreased sleep quality, as I mentioned above, with uh, inadequate sleep hours can then put you at risk for some of the other things that I mentioned. And some people take over-the-counter melatonin. What's your recommendation about that? Yes, uh, over-the-counter melatonin is perfectly safe. One thing to keep in mind is that for women of childbearing age, melatonin can sometimes be associated with irregular menses, so that's important to know. Uh, but otherwise, melatonin is extremely safe, and I would recommend that if somebody were uh, needing to have uh, a sleep aid to help with sleep, that over-the-counter melatonin starting at 3 milligrams would be very reasonable to take. But it's important to, number one, give yourself enough time to sleep after you take it, perhaps eight hours, and also always important to not drive early the next morning until you know how you react to um, adding on the melatonin or any kind of sleep aid. And certainly don't take too much of it. Right. Three milligrams would be a good place to start. And then if that's not working, as with any of uh, this type of recommendation, please consult your physician. You never want to even start the melatonin uh, without consulting your physician because there may be some other uh, medications you're taking or other aspects of your, of your medical history that uh, may be important for your doctor to know uh, to give you guidance in terms of starting something like melatonin. 
Well, and it certainly sounds like being on a regular schedule is the first thing to do. Being on a regular schedule is very important, but I do also want to add, and I don't want to uh, discourage people who, for example, are uh, third shift workers. We all need third shift workers. We need people to uh, uh, keep our building safe and and keep an eye on things when other pe- when most of us are asleep. So it's not that working a third shift is necessarily harmful, but having said that, it is important to again make sure you're getting enough sleep at least seven to nine hours every 24 hours, and to maintain a constant schedule. So, for example, if you're working from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., then you want to be sleeping, let's say, from 8 a.m. to 3 or 4 p.m., and keep your sleep schedule the same every day and not shift the schedule. Well, that leads us finally to myth number five, which says it's okay to miss sleep. I can catch up by sleeping more on another day. And so what is sleep debt? And can you repay it by sleeping more on a later date? On a certain level, uh, it's not going to be permanently harmful to miss uh, some sleep occasionally. And uh, specifically, I mean that if somebody is getting at least seven hours of sleep, uh, the vast majority of nights, and then one night for some reason there's some emergency, something comes up, uh, they are only able to get six hours of sleep, that's not going to cause permanent harm. So a very uh, short-term amount of sleep deprivation, you can make up the sleep. But what you don't want to do is to be uh, trying to survive, for example, on less than seven hours of sleep on weeknights and then assume that you can catch up on your sleep on the weekends. Uh, That's not a good idea uh, because that more long-term chronic type of sleep deprivation cannot be made up. Such expert knowledge and great advice. Dr. Charles R. Davies is an expert in sleep medicine and the cognitive effects of sleep disorders. Thanks so much, Dr. Davies, and thanks for all that you do for Carl Foundation Hospital. State of Illinois employees, Health Alliance knows you deserve more than just insurance. You deserve broad coverage with a statewide provider network, wellness rewards, health resources, and perks. You deserve coverage you can trust and a support you can count on. Get coverage you can rely on. Choose Health Alliance This Benefit Choice Period, May 1st through June 1st. Visit healthalliance.org forward slash state of Illinois or call 800-851-3379 to learn more. That concludes today's podcast. I'm Aileen Ellis. Tune in next month when we tackle women's health and explore five questions every woman should ask. And remember, Halley Health is your source for a wide variety of health and wellness resources, information, and tips. Visit us online at halley.com. Let us help keep you and your family healthy and well.